Hey, all you radio throwbacks, all you travelers from different times, it's the top of the midnight hour, and this is your favorite radio broadcast. The Dark Traveler with me, your host, Paul Dark. And hi, my name's Kathleen. I was lucky enough to facilitate and edit this podcast project along with a creative team of actors, directors, and writers who I've been working with since 2013. I want to give you a little background on Who's, in case you're a new listener and have never seen one of our shows. William Head on Stage, or Who's, is a full-on, not-for-profit theatre company that is entirely organized by folks who are incarcerated inside of William Head Minimum Security Federal Institution in Victoria, BC. Usually a group of us outside artists gets hired for the summer and fall to team up with a group of incarcerated artists and build a play from scratch that we stage in the William Head Gym. For 15 nights in the autumn, Who's invites the public inside the prison gates to see our sensational shows. You buy a ticket, drive out into the woods to the prison, go through prison security, and then you are driven in shuttle vans from the gates to what is normally the prison hockey gym, which the team has transformed into a full-on theater with stage design, lighting, costumes, sometimes even puppets or shadow projections who's in one form or another has been going on since 1981. That's right, 40 years, folks. Last October would have been our 60th production, but as the months wore on, we realized that we wouldn't be pandemic-free by fall. With the support of William Head staff, we decided to switch to radio. With limited time together, sometimes over video call, we managed to record a classic radio play, which you're about to hear, a homemade sequel, which you'll hear in the next episode, commercials, short stories, poetry, and some insightful glimpses into what it's like to create a play inside of prison during an unprecedented worldwide pandemic. What you're about to hear is a variety show of sorts. Okay, I've said enough. Back to you, Mr. Dark, who is recording inside of William Head. Today we welcome a special guest, making his Traveler Radio debut, Dr. Percy. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. And Dr. Percy is going to discuss the production, as well as let us get to know him on a more personal level. He'll be bringing us up to speed on his time working with all the amazing artists in support of whose 60th production titled Northern Lights. This is a kind of mysterious story with a time travel plot all right, travelers, shall we begin? Well, as I said, I'm Dr. Percy. Fun fact about me, I have incredible control. My eyebrows, ears, cross one eye or the other, can shake my eyes, I can fold my tongue, uh, flip my tongue, make clover with my tongue. A lot of times I've been practicing here. Warm. Sound of a wool sweater coming out of the dryer. Wind blowing snow from a drift. Eeriness. Quiet. Tinkling. Skidoo's cooling and groaning. Looking through marbles inside of a snow globe. Whole sky lighting up. 
Seafoam green, aqua, topaz, greens, yellows, oranges, red. I feel small in the grand scheme of things. Not far away, not close. In between. Standing in columns. Three-dimensional, layers, ribbons on end. In the city, they are one-dimensional. In the country, with no light pollution, many dimensions. Almost freaked me out. Inside of it, almost collapsed on me. Moaning, breaking, crackling, wailing, banshee, creepy, haunting. Crystalline. Nighthawk's wings buzzing, piercing the air. Hummingbird. A big round of applause for facilitator Kate Rubin and two of our cast members, the captain and Dr. Percy. What you just heard is an example of some of the collaborative work we do at our drama workshops. Coming up, Paul Dark will help us get to know the cast a bit better before we hear the show. Radio, 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 how did I get involved with this? I'm a Shakespearean trained actor. Radio, how did I sing so low? You got the face for him. And I'm looking my best today. <laughs> that was the captain. We didn't get to interview him as much as Dr. Percy or Midnight, but that was a rare glimpse of him in a video call workshop we had. Today we welcome another special guest from the Northern Lights cast, also making his Traveler Radio debut and with a very appropriate stage name, Midnight. Welcome, Midnight, to the Midnight Hour. Hi, folks. It's uh, Midnight here. Fun fact. Well, I enjoy making beaded projects, beaded lanyards, or uh, my newest project right now I've got going is making a beaded medallion. When I finish a project is awesome because the amount of hours that I put into one project are a lot of hours. So when, it's, when I have a beaded lanyard, the feeling is great because when I give it to the family member, they love the project because they probably have never seen a beaded lanyard before. The fact that I designed the patterns to where it's personal to them, I already know ahead of time how much they'll like it because I like it. And nice with the colors, different colors. My project right now with my medallion, I know that when it's done, I'm going to be so happy and when I put it on and walk around and everybody sees it, I know for a fact that everybody's going to say, wow, that's nice. That, how much do you want for that? <laughs> As we turn to the Who's production this year, Northern Lights, I understand on top of the time travel theme, there's a real coldness, a, a, an icy shiver, if you will, as I said to Dr. Percy to this story. So my question to you is, and for our listeners, what is the coldest you have coldest ever been? I have ever been? Well, I grew up where winters were, you know, minus 30, up up to like minus 50 so I'm used to cold weather and I actually miss 
going through winters where, you know, snow is like three to six feet deep in certain areas. So, you know, I'm, being in the cold is nothing new for me. Have you seen the Northern Lights? Good question. No, I have not. Aurora, luminous atmospheric phenomenon occurring most frequently above 60 degrees north or south latitude, but also in other parts of the world. It is named specifically, according to its location, Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, or Aurora Australis, the Southern Lights. The aurora consists of rapidly shifting patches and dancing columns of light of various hues. Extensive auroral displays are accompanied by disturbances in terrestrial magnetism and interference with radio, telephone, and telegraph transmission. The excess electrons and protons are discharged into the atmosphere over an area centering on the north and south magnetic poles. These particles then collide with gas molecules in the atmosphere, thereby exciting the molecules and causing them to emit electromagnetic radiation in the visible portion of the spectrum. The auroras assume an endless variety of forms, including the auroral arch, the auroral band, filaments and streamers at right angles to the arch or band, the corona, auroral clouds, indistinct nebulous masses, which may occur in any part of the heavens, the auroral glow, a luminous appearance high in the sky, and curtains, fans, flames, or streamers of various shapes. Auroras have also been observed in the atmosphere of Jupiter. Every winter, you know, northern lights were almost like every night I would see them. And when you see the northern lights every night in the winter time, you know, after a while you just begin to kind of get old of it because honestly you're seeing northern lights every night. But I mean, for somebody who hasn't seen the northern lights, they are something else because it's almost like, you know, almost like another community. Because if you think about it, the Northern Lights pretty much represent a different type of spirit in a way. Uh, at least that's the way I look at it. But Northern Lights are great. And one of these days you gotta get out there to see them at some point. I'm pretty sure you could you know, travel in the future, go maybe to a tourist location. All right, travelers, let's get traveling. Now it's time to sit back and relax, turn your earphones up, and enjoy William Head on Stage's recreation of the 1949 American Broadcasting Corporation presentation of Northern Lights. Written by Willis Cooper and featuring the voices of the captain playing the role of Paul looking back, Dr. Percy as Paul in the present, at midnight 
as the ill-fated sidekick, Norman. All of the underscoring, soundscaping, and sound folly were recorded by Kate Rubin, Anne Cirillo, Jenny Luther, and Ingrid Hansen using our tiny little handheld battery-operated field recorder microphone inside of William Head in the winter and spring of 2020 and 2021. I had the pleasure of editing it all together with the help of Carolyn Moon and Coco Nielsen. They helped me when I wanted to throw my computer out the window. Hey, all you time travelers out there, this is Captain Era here with your chance to win a spot to be one of the first Captain Era Time Search team members. Pick up your copy of the Mystery Cipher at your local library today and solve it with your secret Captain Era decoder ring. If you haven't got one already, you can only find one of these prize decoder rings by following my earlier broadcast clues here on WCB 101.3 Tough Reactor. But for all you keeners out there, visit your local library today and unlock the secret message. Send your solution to me for your chance to be one of the first to go back in time. Happy searching, time travelers. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Today's episode is called Northern Lights. This is a story about the temporal displacement of mass. It is also a story about teleportation. Do you know what those terms mean? No, I didn't think you did. But you stay right where you are, my charming friend, and you're quite likely to find out. You just stay right there and listen. I'll tell you everything you want to know. And maybe, well, maybe a couple of things you're not terribly anxious to know. Ever see the Northern Lights? Aurora Borealis is the right name. Up in northern Minnesota and Canada, upper New York, places like that, they're quite common of a winter night. If you've seen them, you know what they look like. If you haven't, there's no use in my trying to describe them. Sometimes they fill the whole northern sky with waves of color, like a fire burning way beyond the horizon. Sometimes they're just long streamers of fire filling up the whole sky. And another time, they look like gigantic fringe curtains of pure light, swaying as if some cold cosmic breeze plucked at them way far off there to the north. And you can hear them too sometimes. Well, maybe not exactly hear them, but, but there's a sound, a humming, a, a crackling somewhere inside your head. And there are times when you'd swear it's a voice talking to you talking in some kind of strange language you can almost understand, filling your whole being with a kind of desperate, inescapable terror. You know what I mean? At night, in the cold night, voices talking and saying things to you that you can almost understand, filling the night sky with signs and portents of inescapable terror. And nobody, nobody in the whole world knows what they are. Nobody in this world, at least, except me. And after I get done talking to you, you'll know too. And you won't be happy. Let me show you something now. 
This is from a recording I made of, let's see, December 13th, 1948, a little more than 14 years ago. I started the recorder while Norman and I were just about finished with our work that afternoon here in the laboratory. I just set the microphone on top of the file cabinet there, turned on the machine, listen. I got the coil rewound now, I guess. Did you test it? How can I test it when I said I just got it rewound? Well, hurry up. It's almost six o'clock. Oh, start up. I didn't realize the time. Hurry up. Be a display tonight, do you suppose? Been a display the last three nights. That was a dinger last night, wasn't it? Yes, but the machine wasn't ready. Listen now, do you think you can do better than I can? Ouch! What's the matter? Oh, stuck my finger. Where did you put the eye down? Up above the sink. Oh, oh, I got it. What are you doing? Testing the coil. How is it? Looks okay. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, it's okay. I'll be right with you. Poke out. What are you gonna send? Try my cigarette light. It won't work anyway. I, I won't miss it if we don't get it back. I don't know how the thing will work when the northern lights aren't shining. Maybe they are shining. Turn off the room light. Let's see. Alright. It's pretty early. What's the matter? Hey, look. Ooh. Out early tonight. Oh boy. That's fine. The whole sky. Look. Blue and yellow. I never saw those long fringes before. Never the same. Did you turn on the recorder? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's turning over. Let's see. <coughs> now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their partner. <laughs> Leave it alone. You about ready now? It's funny about the Aurora. Northern Lights? What's funny? Listen to this part closely, friend. Remember what I told you. Oh, I don't know. You can almost hear the darn things. It's kind of like somebody talking to you in a language you can... You can almost understand. Did you ever notice it? High frequencies, I guess. Awful lot we don't understand. Look, uh, you go over there to the recorder and talk into the mic. Talk what? Well, just describe what happens for the record. I'm no announcer. I know you're not, but just say what you see so I have an accurate record. Okay. <clears throat> this is an experiment in the temporal displacement of a solid object. In other words, the first actual demonstration of a time machine. If it works. It'll work alright. Go on. Paul is now placing his old beat-up cigarette lighter on the stage of the hyperacutambulator and he is now fitting the microchronometer to determine how far into the future he's going to send the lighter. Well, how far, Paul? Ten seconds. Ten seconds? Now, at, at the end of that time, 
If our calculations are correct, and we hope they are, the cigarette lighter will reappear. In that period of time, it will have been into the future. We could send it farther into the future if we wanted to, I guess. But we just have to wait that much longer for time to catch up with it and make it reappear. But 10 seconds? Well, I mean, uh, we can prove our point by sending it 10 seconds into the future just as well as 10 years ahead. And this way, we don't have to wait so long. Hey, how am I doing, Paul? Hey, go into your commercial. When Paul presses the little button, the cigarette lighter will turn to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. It'll be here, but it'll be 10 seconds later. Now listen closely, please. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, now, um, Mr. Paul McGilligat, that famous mad scientist, is about to press the big old button and send his lighter into the future. You ready, Paul? Here we go. Stand by. That's not the payoff yet. Listen. You said in the future. Time's caught up with it. It's it's back. Hey, but... Paul, look. Where did that come from? What? There, on the stage, where the lighter was. Where that come from? In the middle of winter. What is it? It's a caterpillar, Paul. A brown and black. Caterpillar. Where do you suppose it came from? It wasn't there. I'll tell you where it came from, Paul. What? It came from the same place where that cigarette lighter went. What? What are you talking about? Well, feel it, Paul. Feel its fur. See? It's as cold as ice, too. too. Caterpillar, a little brown and black caterpillar, the kind they call woolly bears, you know, uh, larva of the tiger moth, the Isia isabella. Where did it come from? Huh, you want to know? The old timers say that the woolly bear caterpillar is a weather prophet. If the brown bands on his fur are narrow, there is severe weather ahead. If they're wide, it's going to be a mild winter. 
This one, you could hardly see the brown bands. Tough weather ahead, that's what the old timers would say. But where'd she come from? She wasn't there when we put the cigarette lighter on the stage. When time caught up again, there she was. Isabella, Isia, Isabella, I told you, remember. Oh, she was wiggling happily when she arrived from somewhere in the future. But as she warmed up, she seemed to go into a trance, almost a, a death-like trance. So we put her in the deep freeze. And in a half hour, when we looked in at her, she was wiggling happily. At 10 degrees below zero, friends. My goodness, she should have been frozen solid. Well, nothing special happened for a couple of days. It was Saturday night, a week before Christmas. I'd been Christmas shopping in the afternoon, I remember. I came back to the laboratory to check up on some stuff. Norman was there, fiddling with things. Hi, Norm, I said. How's Isabella? You know something funny, Paul? What's the matter with you? You look so pale. You sick? Eat something that disagreed with you? Paul, Isabella's singing. Singing what? She's singing. The caterpillar's singing. Not tap dancing, I hope. I'm not kidding you. Ah, uh -huh, cut it out. Open the deep breeze and listen. You've been at the C2H5O8? I haven't had a drink since Thursday night. Open the deep freeze and listen. Hello, Isabella. Hey, don't do that. What's the matter? You afraid you'll answer me back? Hello, Isabella. I hear you're singing. Told you, Paul. Shh. I don't hear anything. Now listen, Paul. I haven't lost my buttons. I've been hearing it all afternoon. I couldn't figure out what was doing it. And then I noticed it was louder alongside the deep freeze here. So I opened it up and stuck my head inside and it was coming. What did it sound like, Norm? Didn't she say A-E-I-O-U? And no, sometimes Don't me. I tell you, I heard it. I think you better take a Christmas vacation, Norm. I'm not. I know, but listen. You've been playing around with some pretty deep cosmic secrets, you and me. We've managed temporal displacement, which nobody in the world has ever done. See, maybe we both need a rest. You know what I think, Paul? What? I think we've managed teleportation too, and we don't know it. Teleportation? You mean like Charles Ford talks about? I mean, transporting tangible objects from one place to another without any mechanical means. Electronically? I don't know. Paul, all I know is that that cigarette lighter was someplace where it was awful cold. And where did that caterpillar come from? I don't know. It came from wherever that cigarette lighter went, Paul. But where? I don't know. Somewhere. And you know what? I'm going to find out where it came from. You are? And how, may I ask you? I'm going to modify this gadget of ours, this hypercucambulator, so that it'll carry a man. And then, my dear boss, I'm going to sit down in it and have you send me out there somewhere in time and space and come back and tell you all about it. That's all for tonight, bud. What? Come on. I'll take you out and buy you a drink. I'm not fooling, Paul. Hey, okay, okay, you're not fooling, Norm. Get your hat and coat and come on. 
I prescribe hot buttered rum. Will you listen to me for a minute? Turn off the lights. I want hot buttered rum. Okay, okay. Gosh, look out that window. The northern lights. They're really bright tonight. They sure are. Look how they pulse. Up, down, up, down. No, Norm. Look at the deep freeze. There, in the dark. What about it? You see it? Light, Paul. Light. It's the... I see it's... it. See it, Norm. It's right in step with the northern lights. And the same colors. Red, red, blue, blue, up, down. Up, down. Coming from the deep freeze where our little friend, Isabella, was singing to you. Now, what do you- Hey, Paul, listen! We never did get that hot buttered rum. We stayed there in the laboratory for a long time, listening to the voice of the thing in the box, endlessly repeating A-E-I-O-U, and watching the light that pulsed up from the deep freeze in perfect rhythm with the flickering of the northern lights we watched. And we thought long, long thoughts that I, I don't remember any to tell you now. And the lights had faded from the northern skies. We found that our machine was very different. The stage where we found the caterpillar was larger now. It had only a vague recollection of what had happened in the night. I said to Norm, Norman, I said, What did we do last night? I don't know for sure, Paul. Did we rebuild that thing? Make it larger? I don't know. I think I dreamed I was working on it. I think I hit my finger with a hammer. Let's see. Huh. Thumbs all bruised. Certainly looks like it. Nobody could have gotten in here. The door's locked. The machine's certainly different. This coil, I fixed. Look, it's rewound. Did, did I do that? Oh, my heavens. Yeah, mine too. I don't get it. I don't either. I wish I could. Listen, Norm. What? Maybe we did change it. How could we have done all that by ourselves? Maybe Isabella helped us. The caterpillar? Uh, Let's see, shall we? Uh, open the deep freeze. Well, I opened it. It was empty. There wasn't any brown and black caterpillar in the deep freeze. We took a flashlight and looked over every inch of it. We stood there and looked at each other for a whole minute. We went over and sat down. All of a sudden I said, I found her, Norman, and there she was. There was little Isabella the caterpillar crumpled up stone dead on the floor of the laboratory. And you know, caterpillars have tiny little paws. And one of Isabella's paws was the end of a long piece of wire that ran up to the generator coil. How did she get out? I said the thing couldn't be opened from the outside. I said it was fastened down tight when I took the lid but off just now. she did get out. Maybe she did help us, Norm. He just sat there and stared at me, and I got up and put on my overcoat. Where are you going? Where are you going, Paul? I said, I'm going to find out something, Norman. Where I'm going, it's cold, I said. I know that, and I'm going to find out what's been going on and where that caterpillar came from. I stepped on the stage of the machine that was to take me away somewhere in time and space. I said, Norm, turn it on. 
Well, he, he reached over and touched the switch. He didn't say a word, and I braced myself. I nodded at him. Go ahead, I said, and he pressed the switch. Nothing happened at all. Nothing. Why? I know, Paul. I know. It's daylight, and there aren't any northern lights. Well, it was just as well. I had a chance to think about it a little, and I realized that just an overcoat wouldn't do me any good where I might be going. And so, when it was dark night again, and the northern lights were flickering and dancing in the sky, I put on a high-altitude aviator suit that had its own source of heat supply. Norman shook his head as I got back on the stage, nodded for him to press the switch, Never been cold, friend. Dark. You wouldn't know how dark it can get. And I was standing on an immense plain that stretched so far, so far into the distance. The plain was snow and eternal ice. A dead, cold, white world with the blackest sky above me. And the northern lights reached from horizon to horizon. Even through the high altitude suit, I could feel the biting cold. And I was afraid shivering, abjectly afraid. The streamers of the northern lights reached down towards me and wrapped about me. I heard the sound of voices screaming into my mind. I, I couldn't understand them. I wish hardly I'd never played around with cosmic forces. They yelled inside the heavy helmet. I yelled, Norman, Norman, bring me back. And there was nobody to hear me. No, I don't know where I was. Another planet, maybe. The North Pole, maybe. The lights were all around me. Maybe that's where it was, but it was the most terrible, awful, cold, lonely place you can imagine in a hundred years. The lights, the flickering northern lights, crawled over me and beat at me. I could almost understand what they were saying. And then, a crash. Sudden blackness. I was standing again in the laboratory I'd left only a few short seconds ago, and Norman was tearing at the fastenings of my suit and beating at me with both hands. I wondered what in the world he was doing until I got the helmet off. He was brushing caterpillars off me. Thousands of cold, freezing cold, brown and black Isabella caterpillars. I was in bed for a week or more. I don't know how long. Wherever it was I'd been, I'd nearly frozen to death in those short seconds, and at last, I was able to come back to the laboratory. I sat there that night with Norman, and outside the windows, the northern lights were brighter than they'd ever been before. Purple, green, yellow, black lights even. And there was a new rhythm tonight. A kind of code, almost words, Thoughts, not quite formed and yet curiously disturbing. Norman, though he didn't seem to be as disturbed as I was, he just sat quietly and looked at me. Where did those caterpillars come from, Paul? I don't know. Where I was, that's all I know. Did you, did they attack no. you? they came from the lights. The lights? The northern lights. Where are they, Norm? The caterpillars? Yes, where are they? In the deep freeze, where Isabella was. Poor Isabella. 
What's the matter with you, Paul? I'm listening. Listening to what? Don't you hear them? I don't hear anything. Don't you? I don't hear anything. Then listen. Listen. I don't hear anything. Turn on the recording machine. I want to see if we can pick up their voices. There isn't anything, Paul. Turn it on, turn it on. I want recording quick. Quick, Norman, they're talking to us. Listen, friend, I want to play you another recording. This is what came out of our tape recorder that night when I was listening to the voices and Norman couldn't hear anything. Just listen. Still don't hear anything, Paul. Be still. Listen. I tell you. Listen. I... What's that? Look at the decrease. The top's coming open. Look at the light around it, Paul. Be quiet. Watch. How did they... Good Lord, look. The caterpillars are coming out. Paul, look at them. There's millions of them. Be still, Norman. But, but Paul. Be still. Your voice. What's the matter with your voice? We, we want, want to, to talk, talk to you. What? You said we. Why, of course, Norman. We. Who for the... It's Paul's voice, Norman. Paul's voice. But it is not Paul speaking. of it at all. Well, the recording's there, isn't it? When I woke up, Norman was gone and there was no caterpillars in the place here. And our machine, our machine that took people and things away into time and space, was wrecked. I don't know what became of them. You heard what they said about my voice. They're going to take over this world and make it a cold world. Like the one they came from. Are you cold? It's freezing in here. And just for example, you read the papers? Look at the newsreels? Did you see the pictures of the snow in Los Angeles, in subtropical Los Angeles, where it hasn't snowed for so many, many years? I wondered about it too. I wonder if anybody saw any brown and black woolly caterpillars in Los Angeles. Woolly bear caterpillars. Larva of the tiger moth, Isia Isabella. Isabella.
Are you having issues with your Q-calculator? Are you sick of manually syncing up with your micro-chronometer? Well, Tom's Ticking Time Parts and Tuk Tam Tuk has finally come up with a solution just for you. Our patent-pending Hyper-Q-calculator automatically syncs with all current models of micro-chronometers. No more fiddling with math and numbers for you. The Hyper-Q calculator calculates the astros needed for you to jump wherever you want in time. Here at Tom's Ticking Time Parts in Tuk Tuk, we have made the new Hyper-Q calculator easier than ever to use. We have installed the simple to use, never failing, big old button to make time travel as easy as possible. Relying on the power of unobtainium as a source of fuel, you will never need to worry about having enough power to make the return trip home. We've all lost a few family members to time, so come on down to Tom's Ticking Time Parts in Duck Bag Duck and buy yourself a hypercucaminator. You won't regret it. Well, thanks for listening and sticking around to the end of our first ever radio play, recorded inside of William Head Prison. We would like to thank the CRD, Canada Council for the Arts, and BC Arts Council for supporting Who's and Snafu as we find our legs in this unprecedented time. Also, a massive thanks to Kate Rubin, Anne Cirillo, Jenny Luther, and Ingrid Hansen for embracing the unknown and trying something new. An even massiver thanks to Cecilia and the program staff at William Head Federal Penitentiary for organizing our workshops, facilitating communication, and supervising our recording sessions, and for putting up with many, 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 many emails from me whilst you simultaneously manage all of the other groups of prison volunteers. You are utter champions. And of course, thanks to Paul Dark, Dr. Percy, Midnight, The Captain, and all of the enthusiastic incarcerated artists who contributed thoughts, ideas, and writing through the Who's Creative Exchange. It's a real honor to get to work with you and hear your voices and your stories. I hope this is one of the many more projects that we can share together, and I wish you all the best on your journeys towards getting out and building your lives on the outside. I know the transition can be tough, never mind what it's like during a pandemic, so our hearts go out to you. You are not alone. And for all my faithful listeners out there, all you travelers of the dark midnight hour, I thank you for tuning in this week and every week. You all keep me searching for the answers. Signing off, until next week, this is Paul Dark, your host of the Dark Traveler Radio Broadcast Hour. Here's to the mysterious, the mystical, and the darkness in the night sky, and to you, my fellow travelers. Until next time, travel well, one and all.